This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. I'm HRN Communications Director Kat Johnson with a preview of this week's episode of Meat in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup. This week, we're focusing on water. You'll hear some disturbing news from an NYC investigative reporter. Here lies the problem, how much we don't know about water tanks. Katie Kiefer reports on water woes in the heartland. Their water is heavily polluted with nitrates, which are coming from agricultural chemical applications on fields and running off into their water table. And we'll check in with Dave Arnold, who's about to open a new bar that will serve some pretty fancy H2O. It is hardcore. So pour up a tall glass of ice water and be refreshed by this week's episode of Meat in 3, available on heritageradionetwork.org, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas right. and summer. I feel like Crazy Eddie. It's, it's always Christmas here. <laughs> always Christmas. All right. Arts and Seizures back. Mike Edison oh, here man. with everybody's favorite pizza, Pizza Rumba. Oh, it's and good to be today, there. Pete, a very, very special, who special is guest. Well, who, who, who Julia is? Crow, who is not only a distinguished author, uh, but she's also the first classical Musician that classically ever trained. Had. I've been I've been trying so hard. I, I don't recognize to get, her from the conservatory. It was not a not a rock <laughs> bum like we are. Oh. They get on the show, and it's taken me 242 episodes to get someone on here who it's didn't cr- who didn't crawl out of the garage, who's not <laughs> somehow <laughs> aligned, you know, with, with the swamp from which we emerged. Let's hear it for Julia Crow, her new book, her almost new book. I think the audience is gonna. You know what? I was gonna say this the, today's live audience. To me, seemed at the at the very verge of violence. And, <laughs> well, that's because they're and, classical, and and these rock yeah. nerds that listen to our show just just reject this sort of thing. Julia's no, almost new book is called "My First Guitar." Um, What's and, it about? Well, it's tales of true love yeah, and lost chords. Um, it is absolutely. Uh, uh, well, let the thing speak for itself. Ipso re, uh, ipso guitar, facto, as they say. Um, but it tales of my first guitar, featuring Jimmy Page. You've heard of him. Um, Les Paul, Joe Satriani, Melissa Etheridge. These are just the names on the cover. Pat Metheny, Scotty Moore, my very favorite, because yeah. I think every great guitar song yeah, ever recorded uh, Dim- was done Dimiola by Scotty Moore first. Um, is Al Demiola in there? No. Good. Yeah, seriously. Uh, nor is Eric Clapton. Okay, good, too. Yeah. By the way, see if you can find that Eric Clapton racist rant, Matt, while we're talking, just so we can embarrass him further, because apparently his pub- publicist won't let you through the gate, right, Julie? You've, you've conducted interviews with some of the very best guitar players in the world. They're all wonderful. It's a lovely story. My first guitar. Who wouldn't want to tell it? Yeah. Except Eric Clapton. Clapton. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Well, tell, um, you ever see his? He has a compound in Antigua 
in the island. I saw it from like a mountaintop. You could look oh. down, and it's like it's like a, the the Bond villain's lair. It's on, <laughs> it's on this promontory, sticking out into the ocean. It's probably like filled with sharks or something, with a huge wall. And it's like, really, it's like a Bond villain. Lair well, you should go there and, and do the interview there. Yeah. But uh, tell, tell us about your book, which I've really really been enjoying because my first guitar oh, is is it's a universal story. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it was crazy. I went down to uh, Baltimore for a guitar festival um, where I did a great number of the interviews, actually, because everybody was converged who played different things. Like John Hammond was there. Andy Summers was there. Uh, but I didn't know anybody, and I wasn't, uh, at the time, a music journalist. And, I mean, I kind of knew. I did one piece for Classical Guitar Magazine in the U.K., so my... My column started there, uh, which was sort of the Yankee Doodle Fox trot right before the, uh, the obituary. You got that, Ms. Rumba? <laughs> a classical music story for a UK magazine. This is class, yeah. okay? We're adding some class I, and distinction to the show. I'm trying to Eliza uh, Doolittle you up I, a little bit, I, I, okay? Yeah, yeah which the column was. I, be, I better have more tequila. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you too, actually. Yeah, but the funny have thing a poll, is, quick, a oh. quick one. <laughs> I can't. I'll be on the floor. Seriously. Uh, Bill, uh, well, uh, one shot of that stuff. You're on the under on the floor. <laughs> two, you're under the table. Three, you're under the host. What's the Dorothy Parker line? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that's a funny thing. When I would go to these festivals, people would expect somebody who was British, and then they would say to me, "You have the most amazing American accent." <laughs> for uh, a lady from London, which I'm not. But um, I went to a, a festival in the UK uh, also, and, oh, well, I guess I'm jumping ahead of things, but, yeah, no, I didn't know anybody when I went to interview with this book, and I stood in line uh, at the cafeteria behind Andy Summers, and I, I saw what he was putting on his plate. But how do I break the ice, right? Um, I looked at what he had on his plate, and I was like, ah. Oh, you're on the blood type diet. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm not. He was very offended. And I was like, oh, neg. And he's like, yeah, I'm oh, neg, but I'm not on any diet. <laughs> so well, that's how we met. So He seems like a lovely chap. I'm offended by his bass player, his former bass player, singer, though. I, 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 I'm not revealing anymore. We toured with them. Uh, oh, uh, you toured with the police? Of course, several oh, of course. times. Of course several you times. did. Our, our, nickname, our nickname for Andy was Granny. Oh. That and that and a few <laughs> other things ensured that we never toured with them again. But uh, we guys label mates were they IRS? Yeah, yes we oh. were, and, and we shared uh, booking agents and uh, almost managers. And then what happened to them? How'd their career go? I don't know. I know what happened <laughs> to them. Well, I've, re I've really been enjoy enjoying the book, and I like. Um, I mean, Jimmy Page, who was sort of. Uh, you know the holy grail of this whole thing, but it, it, it turned out to be a lovely fellow and very accommodating. After yeah, he all was. Of this. I mean, everybody terrified me. Oh, he's going to be like this. He's going to be like that. And I, I just tried to turn it all off and go. And and it was intrigue anyway. What was going his to first see him. guitar? It was a mysterious thing that he found in a closet that appeared and then disappeared. Just. This has to do with Alistair Crowley. He, he, he moved in a new. He moved in a house, and someone <laughs> left it behind. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it sprouted wings and flew. Yeah. Flew around the neighborhood. Um, my first guitar. This, you, you know, you neglected to interview me, Julia, for this book. Maybe what was your first guitar? Like? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a 1959 Dan Electro. It was not bought oh. in 1959. It was bought in 1982 or three. I started playing the drums and didn't get to the guitar until I 
got to college. Um, no one wanted these things at the time. Yeah. It's a beautiful copper 59 U2 uh, with the concentric knobs. It was $130 at We Buy Guitars, oh. which is one of the great places on 48th Street, which is now like a fucking ghost town up there. It's sad. It is, yeah. And uh, I still have it, of course, and it twangs more than my Telecasters. Now I own like 35 guitars. You're kidding me. And, and Pete, you know, how many guitars should a man have? I don't know how many. <laughs> never, it's never gonna have enough. <laughs> yeah, man, it's like shoes, right? Too, 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 too much is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And you, Julie, what's your first guitar? Um, oh, that's crazy. Well, I grew up in a rooming house in Chicago, so my grandmother had a really tough reputation about who she would rent to, and word must have gotten out because uh, she interviewed one guy who came in and. The whole thing, you know, just to back up, my grandmother wanted to play music, but I don't think she ever did. But the emblem of this was a baby grand player piano that was in the, the living room. And if she liked somebody she was interviewing for a room, she would pop in a role and um, you knew that they were going to get the room. But I, I kind of had my own criteria. I'd crawl under the piano and push the key pins from underneath and make it look like ghost hands were playing the keyboard. And if they couldn't see a kid was under the, the piano doing this, I figured they're they're, yeah, don't give him a room. But <laughs> <laughs> so this guy came in, and I think he must have cased out the place and seen me playing, you know, jump rope or something outside. And and because he saw me under there, and he said, you know, I've got something for you. And he pointed to this big black suitcase he had on the floor, and he unzipped it, and it was a pawn shop guitar. It was a way for him to, well, he did get a room into the place. But it wasn't long afterwards that. Um, he set his room on fire. I guess he had a popcorn popper sock, you know, flung over it. It ignited, and uh, I was the one who who uh, smelled it, and I got everybody out. My room was, like, on a back landing, and so I could smell the smoke coming up from the basement. And at a boarding house in Chicago. At a boarding you, house in Chicago. Did he lose that? Did, was he uh, remained a tenant, or did he... Uh, he, did, he never came back, because I think he was back. terrified. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I took the guitar. That's the what I grabbed, well, and I get out. But it was a crappy little, like, rainbow-striped wooden guitar, bad warp neck, grimy strings. But I didn't know it, you know, at the time. That was my guitar. Yeah, if my house is on fire, and when I'm grabbing an order, like, uh, the cat... <laughs> <laughs> the cat, the computer, and then probably... Tell, the tell seven, Christine. That and the 73. Well, I assume she's going to be helping me grab things. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My soulmate. I, I hope she's going to be you know, grabbing things with me. The, the, cat's a, the cat's a little bit tough, but the 73 Telecaster don't move on its own. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, honey, get the guitars! Uh, <laughs> well, I'll yeah. quickly uh, jump in. I, I had decided several times I would. it was too late for me to learn to play guitar. Mm. That's when I was about 13 and then 14. Finally, I said... They had guitars then? Yeah, they had guitars. I was listening to <laughs> rock and roll. And uh, finally, in like 1969, I said, okay, I got to get a guitar. A guy was going to teach me. And I'm sorry, 1969. Sorry, go ahead. I know, bad, bad, bad year for anything. So I, I, I got a... Uh, Summer of Love's Over. A guy in Maspeth sold me his uh, early 1965 uh, Fender Mustang because at that point, everyone said, oh, nobody would play a Mustang. That's a... But they said it was a trainer guitarist. I forget what they called it. Mm-hmm. So I bought it for 65 bucks. But the guy had tried to refinish it with shellac. Oh. So <laughs> we, I took it apart. And me and Brian Spaeth, at this early uh, age, spent ter- turns sanding it. Mm-hmm. Finally, we got bored with that and we were smoking pot. So it sat in a box in, uh, in Flushing in my parents' uh, porch. For several years, about five years, it sat there until the flesh tones formed in 1976. Keith Strang was playing a cheap 
Japanese plastic electric guitar that he found in his basement and needed a real guitar, as he put it. I reassembled the Mustang, gave it to Keith Strang, and it became his famous guitar, pictured on many album covers and in many films and movies, until it was stolen at what airport? Barajas. Barajas. All right. My, one of my favorite yeah. airports in, in uh, Madrid. Yeah, in like, uh, in, in I think early, uh, mid-90s. But that was his guitar. Oh. That was Keith Strang's. That, uh, and a Mustang's a bitchin' guitar. It's a bitchin' guitar. But in those days, it was like, oh, yeah, we feel like okay, I, I think Mike Maraconda <laughs> from the Ronchans played one early on. Cool. You know, by the way, he was at the day I bought that guitar. I just had this idea I should start playing guitar. I've been playing the drums since I was a little kid. It's never too late is the message here. I didn't right. start playing piano exactly. until I was like 40 years old which some people may or may not consider a mistake if you've heard me play the piano. But, um, I, you know, I, I got all the way to college. But, ah, it's too late if you didn't start playing when you were in high school or sure. young. But I had this crazy idea to start a band that I needed to write some songs. And I think he I think he actually loaned me the $20 to leave with the guy at We Buy Guitars while I went downtown and tried to, like, figure out where to get the other $110. Bucks. Um, but this yeah, is good. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and how about your son who's a bitching guitar player. Much he, he, oh, wow. he is an amazing guitar player. <laughs> yeah, he shreds. No, none, no thanks to me. Yeah, he shreds, and not only that, you know, it's like I walk in the house, and he's playing, like, Spanish classical guitar. Oh, great. <laughs> and, I, and I said, where do you in learn? In the Metallica that? style. Oh, okay. And I said, well, Still, well, I said, Sergey, where do you learn that? He goes, oh, he goes, I'm just reading it. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like reading it. He's like, what? Where do you learn to read music? You know? yeah, how dare you? Right. You're making like, the rest of us look bad. Right. He's, like, he's like, and he's sight reading and wow. playing Spanish guitar. I said, what? <laughs> like our friend Simon Chartier, yeah, right. uh, who I right. <laughs> walk into uh, when he used to work the desk at Coyote Studios, and he's playing Bach, and I'm looking at what he's reading. He's playing it on a six-string guitar, but it's written for a lute, which has, uh, I don't even know how many strings, four, I think. Uh, There's I'm, different choruses. But he's just sort of like simultaneously transposing the keys and for this like you know this thing written on parchment with a, you know. <laughs> you know and Quill's like, yikes. But And secretly, though, as you know, Simon would much rather play, well, he likes to play Dick Dale and Johnny Thunder, <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, you know, I liked um, you know, your comment on his last record. Another shout out to our friend Simon. Just that it's a complete punk rock record that has no. It sounds like 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 Minor Threat and doesn't call attention to the fact that you can play like Django Reinhardt anytime he feels like it. Oh. It's which is uh, that's nice. He's a great guy. Yeah. I hope he's surfing. Right yeah, I, I guarantee you he is. Julie, you've got a guitar piece prepared for us today and a story behind it, I understand. I do. It's like Johnny Carson. It's like me playing. Yeah. Let's go to the clip. You have a clip? You want to set it up? That's <laughs> I feel like Ed. <laughs> you, look, you look like Ed. <laughs> I mean, I'm starting to look like Ed, yeah. Yeah, this is Bats and Umbrellas. Uh, one of the festivals I went to in the UK uh, was at West Dean, which is in Chichester, which uh, I think Keith Richards might, you know, live around. I tried to interview him for the book, and actually his manager said to me, I think she was really worried it was going to be a technical book where I would the go off Jane. on. Yes, exactly. She said to me, "Honey, Keith, Keith knows. Well, he can play guitars. He just doesn't know shit about them." So I mean, it was a T-shirt worthy. <laughs> Therein quote, is but, a good story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this this one it turned out that West Dean was uh, the 16th century estate that. Um, uh, Yes. I guess the last, do- <laughs> the last donor. The donor. We're passing Edward around James. a bottle of tequila and yeah. we're laughing. <laughs> what about Westine? Yeah. Um, this guy, Edward James, back uh, in the 1920s, he was the patron who brought in a lot of painters like Dolly and Magritte, Man Ray, uh, a whole bunch of people. He's just Some of my favorite guys. Do your work here. Yeah. Pete thinks I'm square because I like modern art. Uh, he thinks yeah. it's very old fashioned. Sure old fashioned. My love for modern art. <laughs> 
It's, things have changed in the last 120 years, Mike. Yeah. Well, this place is massive and crazy. And as soon as I found out the history of it, I was enthralled. Um, I guess James had this dancer wife who is from New York. And there's a staircase that she went up uh, after she left the bath. Just went up without a towel, left her little damp footprints going up the uh, staircase. And he was so in love with her that he uh, had the carpet ripped out of the staircase and rewoven to have her damp footprints in there but then at one point everything fell apart he found out that uh, she was cheating on him with so the gardener I, I would hope I don't know who it was but he ripped out the carpet and had his dog's footprints put in oh <laughs> see that so, <laughs> the problems of the upper class so, but you yeah. laugh like an American so yeah, how do you put over you know <laughs> I know I this don't. lovely British lady classical <laughs> reporter it's only in print <laughs> <laughs> well laughing in print is the hardest thing to do it is but uh, let's hear it for Julia Crow. and uh, what's this called again this is Bats and Umbrellas because I walked into the foyer of this place it was raining, and I went for my umbrella that I thought I left behind. Um, it turned out to be a bat that flew off in the hallway. So a bat? Yeah, and it joined another bat. So Not, are, It wasn't a cricket bat. It was like a it bat. It was a big-ass black bat, you <laughs> big know? Ass black bat. <laughs> Two of them, so you'll hear them swooping.
Julia Crow. Julia Crow, author of My First Guitar, a, t- a story that must be told. I uh, whoa, what happened to the audience? Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I think you've soothed them. They were very surly, and I, as I said, on the verge of violence. That is the kind of music that soothes the savage beast, as opposed well to the kind of stuff that you and I play. That, that, well, the stuff that we play incites <laughs> them. I, I love the, the, in the Jimmy Page story in the book. He says, "Well, at the time, uh, skiffle and rock and roll were still tolerated by the authorities <laughs> for that brief moment yeah. until they realized, because you know, when you, it's, it's easy to laugh when you hear these things that rock and roll." has got to go and people were worried yeah. that rock and roll on the radio was going to incite teenagers to sex and, and drinking and drugs and lives of promiscuity and of course it did well, of, course, of course that's it what it was that's for why, that's, that's, why it's so that's awesome. what it was that's for that's why it's awesome I, that's why I laugh at these at these old movies where the kids prove that rock and roll is alright and, and they're saying no it's not it's not about sex and violence yes it was <laughs> that's why I liked it <laughs> of course it made me want to burn down the high school right, right, and, uh, right. It, run down the street at night tipping over garbage cans and screaming of course of course it did well you better believe it. well the first song I learned on the electric the reason why I bought the guitar was why did you bring that guitar since you can't oh yes you can play I mean I, I really wanted to learn how to play <laughs> rumble I was like oh. you know I don't you know I mean, this is not when I was 14, you know, it was just not being precocious. So I was 18, it was time to get a guitar. It's very, you know, very... Rumble, um, yeah. Yeah, it's very vertically integrated into the... The only instrumental that's ever been banned, you know, because oh. it, was, it was considered too menacing. It, it, that, that was menacing. And I like what Link said about it. He said, well, you know, I really couldn't play the guitar, so I had to do the most of what I knew how to do, which was put the emotion into it. Anyway, I thought uh, I was watching the '68 comeback special, Elvis, oh recently, and Elvis was such a good guitar player. He was I, great. I, he's a wonderful guitar player, and people forget these guys who play guitar that you don't think of as guitar players. You know, who's a great guitar player, Bob Dylan. I love it when Bob plays guitar. Yeah. You know, he's got like these two like complete, you know, gunslingers to his left and his right, and he is a bitching guitar player. And I'd Bruce, rather listen and, to Bob play than his and Bruce and Bruce Springsteen too. I got yes, t- I got to yes, yes. tell you, he's, he's got these two guys on either side of him who are who are like really like. You know, top fuel drums. One of which is my boss. You know, but, but then but Bruce busts it out. It's pure garage rock. It's more of the, you know, Keith Richards, you know, yeah. style. And it's, and, it's, and it's entirely awesome. It's like, Bruce, you know, if you're listening. Yeah, Bruce, if you're listening. Play more guitar. No, when Bruce plays, it's kind of like watch over, move over and watch a big dog eat. <laughs> <laughs> That's very lovely, Mills. Thank you, Stephen. Now. That's right. Watch and learn. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> All right. I think it's time we should do, we should do a song. We had a couple things. Us? Here. We got we got to bring this. Down. We got to play something our, our audience would understand. Pass me that. Pop. After that lovely. Here's the, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's enough in there for all three of. Oh, 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 oh! oh I can't reach. Julia, help me out the My back. Oh, oh dear, Julia, come on, loosen up. I can't. We're having fun here. He's got pizza rumble through his back out, reaching. There you go. I put my. There you go. There you go. I didn't say kill it. I just said have a sip. Your UK classical music magazine need not know about. Right. They won't. They won't hear this. They think you're secretly a pirate. I love the line. I love the line in your book when you go over to the UK and you say, "Hey, can I review something over here?" You know, you're looking for just like you know, normal freelancer. You're hustling, right? Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. And what does he say? He goes, "You don't bring Colt." Castles, right? right. <laughs> I love why, that. why do you think we have you working in New York? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how it went. Julia took right. a very ladylike sip. Mike, kill it. <laughs> it was the best. Kill it, Mike. Before I throw my back out. Oh, come on, Julia. Help me out here. Come on, you bunch of pirates here. All righty. That was the best gig I ever had was writing classical music for the uh, oh, yeah. for the for the New York yeah. press. Yeah. And they put on the cover it says Mike Edison recommends go to mostly Mozart and get stoned. And that's my name on top of it. And I was so proud of it. And they loved and they loved it. 
Because because the message being that like you know I mean how do you attract young people to classical music? It's a tough thing. And I said you know uh, what you know what you like your teenage angst. You like your Brian Wilson. It's a very short leap between Pet Sounds and you know and, Mo- and Mozart. And maybe the, maybe the difference is, is like one jazz cigarette. That's all, maybe that's the leap you need to make. And or if uh, you know if Metallica is more your thing, then I, then I suggest you go see like you know one of the later Beethoven symphonies instead of front because that'll certainly <laughs> blow your skirt up. And that no will. one had ever actually written about classical music in terms of Motorhead, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and they loved it, you know. It hard, needs it. hard to sell it. It doesn't help that the people over there. I mean, it's, it is kind of like going to the natural. History Museum, unfortunately. <laughs> and that and that brings us to Eddie Cochran. Yes. No, bring us to, no, bring us to Elvis. So, Eddie Cochran. You want to do Eddie Cochran? Well, yeah, but we, you know, Eddie is so important with guitars. I, I gotta Eddie say, Cochran. you like you were saying how important he was in Britain. I mean, he had hits here, but in Britain, he was an idol. Yeah. And not only that, yeah. the, I think the the key thing that Eddie did by impressing all these Brits was that he made the idea of the guitar-oriented band or pres- presentation really preeminent in British rock and roll. And that gave rise to the Beatles, the Stones, everybody. Like you know who you know you know who loved Eddie Cochran the most? Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin loved Because them. they did that the um medley at the end of their shows of come on everybody and um something else I think. Something else. Right? Late, later made famous by Sid Vicious of right. course. I'm sure that I'm sure that <laughs> popularized I'm sure by that, Sid Vicious. That Jimmy, along with <laughs> Keith Richards and John Lennon and Paul McCartney, all of them went to see Eddie's famous uh, tour of Britain in 1960 uh, with him and uh, him and Gene Vincent in the Blue Caps and uh, Tone, uh, uh, Sheridan was in there, the British guy. Footnote. Footnote, footnote to the Beatles. Footnote. But uh, anyway, which I, if I remember the date correctly, April 17th, 1960 ended tragically where they were trying to get to uh, like the fourth stop, uh, you know, on this on this tour in the, in the day. You know, they 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 package tours, you know, and they uh, uh, Eddie was killed in Britain, never to be forgotten in Britain. Anyway, yeah, well, I was trying to tie this into your, your Led Zeppelin story, but uh, just, well, we'll tie it, it in, baby. There it is. Well, you told you tell you tell the story. It's your story. It's, oh, a, okay. it's a day you were running numbers for Peter Grant. I was I was right actually. <laughs> I had heard all sorts of horrible stories about their manager, Eddie Grant, a big guy, a big threatening man. And I was standing in my, uh, my boss's, uh, my first job with uh, Ron Delsner, a rock impresario in New York, standing there. And he cuts a check and he goes, well, actually, he told me to go to the bank in New York and pick up a cashier's check. That's what I had to do. And then he goes, go to the Plaza Hotel and give this, uh, go to this floor and, and hand this check. I think it was for a point zero zero nine. Well, I, you know, it was. <laughs> he said, "Hand this to a, a big guy named Mr. Peter Grant." I go up on the elevator. The, the elevator doors open, and standing right there is a hulking, huge guy with a beard and a ponytail. And it was Peter Grant. And behind him, lolling about in the in the corridor of this floor uh, of the hotel, were various members of uh, Led Zeppelin. Lolling. I, I lolling. lolling. They were lolling about, <laughs> and I handed. I said, uh, Mr. Grant... John Bonham does not loll. They were lolling. <laughs> I handed uh, Peter Grant this envelope. He tore it open. He took a look at the check. A huge... It, I, was, I, was, he, I was expecting the worst because I was told he's horrible. A huge smile went across ah. his lips, and then he gently patted me on the shoulder. 
But it wasn't a giant novelty check. No, it was, a, it was a cashier's check from the Bank of New York for a pile of money. So anyway, so I got I paid Led Zeppelin for their uh, shows at the whatever it was. You should have clipped a, you should have clipped a piece of that for yourself. I, I should have. I should have said, hey, what about me? Yeah. All right. As always, it's been the fastest thirty minutes on the radio today. Let's hear it for our guest Julia Crow, whose almost new book, My First Guitar, is truly fantastic. What's it and about? she's also a uh, great guitar player, and you have many CDs out. And we I can... do. I'm hired light and smoke and steel. And, we, and where can we find you on the interwebs? Yeah, absolutely. JuliaCrow.com. All right. And I'm wishing, wishing you good luck with Eric Clapton, but not really. <laughs> right. you got to get over the wall of this comment. <laughs> All yeah, right. Is, this is Sean Connery song. might help you. <laughs> Well, she gets up in the morning with the whistles in her head. We're ready for school before class begins. Oh, little Lou, can I walk to school with you? Yeah, till the bells are ringing. If we are late, what shall we do? Well, the teachers in the classes ask us where we've been late. I said, we're just late again. Oh, little Lou, uh-huh. why did you make me hesitate? You know the teachers will say There's no excuse for being late Come on, take a little, take a little Woo! Has passed. Can I walk you back to class? Now, the West class is over. I'm standing all alone. The football star was my little loo. My little loo. Time this morning I can bear. I'll try tomorrow. Hope to hear you say care. Oh, well, well, little loo. This morning I can bear. I'll try tomorrow. Hey, before we go, Julia, you got one more? Play us out. Julia Crow, play us out. Play us out. Take us, take us, take us someplace crazy. Take us to heaven. Take us, play us out. Play us out. Let's, 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 let's ride that bat out of hell. Ooh, that's a good name for a song. I'm, I'm ready for some pizza. Ready for some pizza. Ready. Pizza Rambo, always ready for some pizza. All right, Julia Crow, everybody. Pizza Rambo, Mike Madison, Countdown, 250 Arts and Seizures. See you next week.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.